Gaming and BS episode 49, sponsored by darktheater.net, home of the character Folio. Welcome to Gaming and BS, a podcast about tabletop RPGs and other miscellaneous topics of geekery. I am one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome back, folks. Yeah, welcome back, everybody. Uh-oh, that's no good. Huh, okay. Interesting. That was like crazy loud, dude. Was it really? Oh, yeah, I could barely hear you. It was like, rah, 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 I'm Sean, rah, rah, rah. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I think I got some wires crossed. So what I'm talking to Brett about is uh, I got a new mixer, and I hooked up our, I hooked up a compressor limiter gate, and uh, and so I, I'm, I'm hoping this all works out fine. I think it will, but it sounds like I've got some wires crossed on... I don't know why you would get faded. Huh. Okay. Well, we'll see how this goes. Okay. Worst case is it's worse than usual. <laughs> and we'll sort it out worse later. Worse than usual. I think, so I don't know why I would. Okay. Well, so the, the problem we're having is that I fade out the music and I fade out Brett, which was not something that had occurred previously. Uh. Oh, well, we'll figure that out. All right. Fair enough. Uh, okay, so let's start off. Uh, I don't, announcements, none, well, I, Christian Serrano and Ron Blessing from the Savage Bloggers Network had some nice things to say about us on one of their episodes. I don't remember which, I don't know what their It was episode 10. Episode 10 for them. Yeah, which is, I think episode 11 is already out. Um, I haven't had a chance to listen to that one yet, but episode 10 was the next to, (laughs) next to most recent, so. It was pretty cool. They uh, commented on our money episode. They're talking about it. I believe Christian was the one saying he liked the concepts that we hashed out and uh, was kind of in uh, in agreement with the idea that it's nice to have money be something that of value and that there's a way that thinking about how to treat it um, so that's not just a crazy commodity, buckets full of gold type of thing. So it was really, I appreciate those guys saying that to us. Yeah. Thanks or about so- us, I should. Or yeah. about us. <laughs> yeah. And uh, if you listen, if you are a fan of Savage Worlds and are not listening to the Savage Bloggers Network podcast, what are you doing? Go over and listen to them. They um they keep their format like fifteen to twenty minutes, really kind of quick. Yeah, they they uh come in very very tight. Bam 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 bam. Okay, we're done. I was it's pretty cool. It's nice. I mean, they, and it's not like <laughs> like Sean and I right now back and forth, back and forth. I mean, it's like on task, pow, 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 and they get through stuff. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and if you haven't heard of Ron, Ron's Ron used to do the games, the thing with him and Veronica, which is his wife, and I think maybe oh. one other person, but I know him and Veronica. They had long gone. I mean, they had a lot of episodes, and um, they Ron took a break from podcasting for a while, and I think Christian probably scooped him up and said, "Hey, let's get back on the air with something." So, yeah, it's good. I like it. Very nice. All right. And the other one I wanted to remind folks is episode 50 is next. 
from uh, I, I suck at math, but my wife informs me that after 49 comes 50. So uh, we, we should be there, which is kind of cool. Yeah. And just a reminder that if you would like to congratulate us on our episode 50 and uh, get yourself, well, you know, What's I was that? gonna say, or you could just kind of you could outline some of your shock and dismay at the fact that we're still here. <laughs> like, oh my god, you guys are still here! Somebody's I tuned out at episode ten. What happened? Somebody's done that. One of our frequent flyer listeners kind of said oh, of that. Of course they have. <laughs> Somebody we know. Oh, lovely. Somebody we game with. Ah, <sighs> okay. Yeah, but uh, and I, you know, if you got something to like, if you want to wish us a happy fiftieth and plug your show or something, I guess you could say, hey, we've had that, so that's cool. Free ad, it's free ad space. Couple seconds worth of it. Go. Yeah. Hi, my name is Brett. I like to plug. Blah 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 blah. You can do it. <laughs> and if you want to do it, just record, um, record some audio on your phone, or you can call in the nine two nine big dice and just leave a message. Try to keep it close to ten seconds. Um, we've had some culprits that have gone over, and that's okay, um, because they're the ones that did go over are are worthy of going over. They're totally worthy. So, what that means is if you break the rules but break them epically, you're in. That's what matters. So, should we do the old random encounter? Yeah, let's go to random encounter. Where is and I relay? I laid out all my stuff wacky, so. Random encounter where we field emails, voicemails, and comments from social media and our blog from you, the listener. First, got a couple. We got a few. Good stuff. Yeah. You yeah. want to read the first one? Sure. Christian Serrano. Sounds familiar. G plus regarding episode 48 and realism. Great topic. Two words sub slash subtopics. I think that would have been interesting to explore more deeply. 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 <laughs> deeply. Simulationism and verisimilitude. Verisimilitude. Close enough. Oh, God, I can never say that word. Uh, I think a lot of RPGs and fans confuse simulationism for realism and verisimilitude for simulationism. Nicely done. A lot of isms there, Sean. Holy. Congratulations. Thanks, Christian. <laughs> uh, for example, I see Savage Worlds's abstract combat and wound system as more realistic than D&D and as realistic as some highly detailed combat systems. A wound in Savage Worlds means you took significant damage to actually matter, enough to wear you down as expressed with penalties to all trait rolls and decreases in pace. A successful hit in combat doesn't necessarily mean it'll cause a wound either, but it might cause someone to be shaken, i.e. rattled. It's assumed that hits that don't even cause someone to be shaken, which would be damage less than toughness, simply causes some minor cuts, scrapes, and bruises that aren't significant enough to affect the target. With all that said, the comment about Savage Worlds being inherently pulpy and over-the-top is somewhat false. Dun-dun. Well, I mean, if we're going to get corrected, the guys from Savage Bloggers Network, I think they would be the right people to correct us. So I am happy to stand corrected, Christian. Lay it on us. That's fine, yeah. Savage, Savage Worlds is a core system that can and is adapted based on the genre or setting. That is to say, Savage Worlds is a core system, not a universal system. 
Setting rules are a core feature of the system that are intended to make adjustments to the core rules. For example, if a setting needs grittier, deadlier combat, gritty damage makes it so. As for verisimilitude, you guys incidentally touched on this in the travel and money episodes. Essentially, this is what makes a setting appear to be true or real. It's what makes it living, breathing, and believable. Often, however, many players and GMs blind themselves by chasing verisimilitude through simulationism, and that path leads to madness. I definitely have to agree with that last bit. I think that's where I tried to get to. Christian was a little more succinct in that than my usual off-the-cuff discussion with Sean. But the idea that making the world more realistic through different um, environmental components and so forth versus fighting through the uh, simulationist rules is, to me, uh, a, a better way to make the world real than to worry about some of the uh, the point spends, if you will, or some of the very tactical components. Good stuff. I, I like the... Uh, and Christian, I, I do, in all seriousness, uh, appreciate the correction on the Savage Worlds setup there. I don't play it. Um, I've played it very little, I should say, so I'm not as savvy with that as I ought to be. So very cool. Yeah, I think uh, I think Savage Worlds is going to be my go-to con system. I don't see why not. I mean, frankly, it's it's quick, it's fast. Um, I look at what you know your rule book is this little bitty thing. It's it's really easy to pull off. And the cool stuff that people out there are doing with Savage Worlds for con games, it's pretty sexy. I like it. Yeah. You want to take the next one, sir? Yeah, I can do that. Dwayne Pena on G Plus on episode 48, Realism. I want my combat to be interesting and allow me to make decisions and appear awesome first and foremost. If it then moves at a decent pace, I'm happy. After that, I would like as much realism as possible. But as long as these first two conditions are met, I'm happy with only moderate realism. I don't usually want to keep track of every piece of gear and bit of weight my character carries. Or, excuse me, bit of weight my character carries. I think it is too easy to get bogged down by details that don't matter instead of concentrating on what makes role-playing fun. For me, that is role-playing an interesting role with other good role-players. Where I generally want a fair amount of realism is in setting, which I think harkens right back to what we were just talking about. I want a scene I can picture in my mind and NPCs that act in intentionally reasonable ways, even if I won't understand why they do what they do at first. The more solidly that is all built, the easier it becomes for me to become a part of that world. I play a lot of Apocalypse World, which uh, is dungeon worldy type stuff for those of you not in the know. I think that I found a system that satisfies most of what I want out of a system. Very cool. And again, I like that attitude. Uh, uh, what Dwayne's talked about there is kind of what we ended up, the tale in a Christian's piece. Um, the setting is kind of the really cool place for the realism. That's what I'm hearing. More so than the rules themselves. Next one's yours. Jeff Rademacher. Regarding realism, as far as realism, it really depends on the setting. I get the concern about encumbrances or penalties when taking damage, but it really seems like that can be a lot of moving parts as you go along. You're right, D&D pretty much skips this, and the game becomes more streamlined in the process. My family and I, and I are, again, just learning how to play, and we're just trying to get a handle on the core gameplay in that system. Adding extra exceptions at this point would certainly run them off and become too unwieldy for them to understand and actually play. Best analogy I can think of is in movies. The realistic is like the Dark Knight trilogy of Christopher Nolan, where the more streamlined is like the Avengers. I love both, but for different reasons. 
in the same way I would imagine a more nuanced game would bring about challenges and creativity that D&D skips in order to keep the action moving. And like the movies, I can enjoy both for different reasons. There's no reason that both of these pegs have to fit into the same hole. There's some logic to that. I mean, where Jeff's going is, I think, um, well, guys at Misdirected Mark have talked about this too, where you, excuse me, you have a game system that does a certain thing well. Whether that is, it does, it's designed for, um, like Gumshoe, it's designed for a police procedural type of game for investigative stuff. Um, Call of Cthulhu does the Cthulhu stuff incredibly well. And D&D and Pathfinder E, they are all about big heroic role-playing game stuff. I mean, oftentimes dealing at what we've classified kind of as epic in, in many cases. So it does make sense that certain, there's going to be different flavors within the systems. And uh, again, though, Jeff led off with the setting is kind of where it's really cool. And that's where I think if you get, if you have a rule set that gets too crunchy and it basically can conflict with your setting, if you don't know how to handle it appropriately, then it can get a little wonky. So I see that. All right. Next one's me, huh? Yeah, man. Make it happen. Austin, our buddy, uh, one of my gamers, and I should say one of our gamers. He plays with Sean, and he also plays with me. Sometimes I honestly do feel like people are taking their games too seriously. Like I show up for Kirk hitting a dude in a rubber costume with a double fist punch. I know it isn't realistic in the least. Uh, If you go to our Google Plus stream, Austin has a little... uh, little video clip of a good old captain kirk smacking some rubber suited extra in a lizard suit that's the that's the gorn man is that the gorn i don't know it's a gorn correct i know it isn't realistic in the least but why should i care if it's realistic if i'm having a good time admittedly this is not the only good kind of thing i enjoy it's just a thing i find i come back to most of the various styles and tones like how a favorite food may not be the best food you've ever had but still stuff you find yourself most happy with did he do food last time he may have. Or was it somebody else? No, I think it was... Was it Mo? Uh-huh. Yeah, I think it was Mo or... Uh, <laughs> it was either Mo or Vecchio and did food. And I was like super... Fr- no, it was Sneezak. Chris did that. Chris it's did food. It's and blending stuff. It's freaking hungry. Man, us gamers, man, and our analogies to food. <laughs> Yum. Austin continues with, I really think internal consistency is particularly important, even if it's not necessarily realistic for things to behave in that way, sometimes, especially if it isn't realistic. I tend to gravitate towards fast and stylish combat that still requires some thought and consideration to make things turn out good on a regular basis. I know this is a heavily contended point for a lot of people, but I legitimately legitimately think 4th edition, I'm assuming he's speaking of 4th edition D&D, oh yes he is, was the best version of combat in D&D insofar as making combat more interesting than just I hit the big guy with my spear, he hits you back, I hit him again. It wasn't realistic in the least, but it was out of the box, much more fun and provide a kind of challenge I crave. It was unbelievably slow in practice, though, and not partic- and not pretty uh, much all of not, uh, and and got pretty much all of the not combat bits worked uh, wrong, though. So what do I know? Question mark. <laughs> Basically, I think he's uh, at the tail end with the fourth edition. I think Austin's saying, you know, he liked what they're trying to do with fourth edition combat. He liked the realistic components of it, but the uh, the rest of it just seemed a little bit too clunky. That's how I'm reading that. Yeah. Cool. We got one from Mo. That's up, and it's back to you, sir. Mo Tusano. Regarding ecology, I love ecology articles and information. Before I ever actually played an RPG, I picked up a copy of this white binder with a ton of cool monsters in it. I would spend hours reading it page by page, 
eating combos and drinking Sprite. Well, so Mo's a combos and Sprite guy. I can, I can dig that. I like combos. I only got another combo after I finished a page. Oh, a reward system. A reward system. And then after X number of bags of combos, you level up. I loved all the I loved all the information in there, even though there was these numbers and acronyms that meant nothing to me. That book was the AD and D second edition Monstrous Manual. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. My favorite articles in Dragon were the ecology of the articles. I still to this day love reading monster manuals and even nonfiction books like Dragonology. During second edition, there was a series of splat books on various monsters. I remember loving the Beholder one, I Tyrant. Yes, they also did, um, there was Slawaheen. They did one on a lot of the fish people. And I also have um, one of the Mind Flayers, the Illithids, which was pretty cool as well. Took some of those critters and took the ecology of it and just really expanded it and grew it. As I said during our ecology episode, I love that stuff. When you talk about realism, uh, taking it, even when it's crazy and fantastic, it makes that critter a little more realistic and kind of fun. All right, Carl Pinder, uh, G+, plus regarding episode 45, travel, and episode 46, money. So he hits us with two. On travel, in die roll, Sean mentions Tabletop Simulator. If you find that interesting, you might look at, shameless plug, Tabletop Connect. He's got a little link here in the show notes, tabletopconnect.com. He also has a link out to the G Plus community. So I got to think that if he has, if he says shameless plug, that he is somehow associated directly with the Tabletop Connect. I would think so. Yeah. Tabletop Connect. I wonder, I should open that link quick because uh, I wonder if I know about that. Well, you do that while I go on to episode 46, his little comment there on money. Go if for it. If you address encumbrance, even in the sense of 7,000 gold pieces, weighs a lot. You can introduce commodities that are much more valuable uh, than gold by weight. If 10 gold equals one pound and you have a spice that's worth 20 gold per pound, and the characters can reduce their load by half. This could further encourage a hex crawl if characters learn of another land where the same spice is worth 40 gold per pound. Sort of a fantasy traveler. If the spices are available are valuable enough, the characters will switch from being murder hobos to being pursued by murder hobos. You can also use hirelings to separate the characters from their gold. D20 specifies that a character cannot don full plate by themselves except with a penalty. With help, the time to hastily put on a full plate is cut in half. For overland adventurers, hiring a watchman to let the characters get a full rest in the minimum amount of time since it is no longer necessary to set up watches. As the retinue grows, the characters will be adding horsemen, cooks, armors, etc. Tra- to travel the party. Hence, they're going to have to pay salaries. So, uh, yeah, you're going to get separated. A number of different ways to separate a player character from their gold. He actually reminded me of something that my group used to do back in when we played AD&D a lot. Second edition was instead of carrying tons and tons of coins, we started carrying more gems. The players would uh, because you could, yeah, you might lose a little bit on uh, cashing in a gem, but it was easier to carry five rubies, each worth 100 gold pieces, than it was 500 gold pieces. So, Cool. cool. As always, thanks Thanks for writing in and letting us know what you guys think. Really appreciate it. Good stuff. Yes. Good stuff. Let's go to El Sponsor. Tired of reaching into a dirty sack to get your dice? Do you have to dump all of your dice on the table just to find the exact one you need? Have a dice bag that is drab, boring, and just plain bleh? Well, get yourself a dice bag from Great Out Productions. 
Michael Althauser, not only the owner, but a gamer, makes quality handmade dice bags that can be printed with a custom logo, or you can choose from ones in his gallery. Great Out Productions, maker of fine dice bags. Use the promo code GAMINGNBS to receive 10% off his website, greatout.etsy.com. Follow the link in our show notes. Whoa, a little throwback action. Yeah, I came across that. I redid the soundboard, so I'm like, I'm just, I'm a fish out of water tonight, Brett. That's okay. <clears throat> which kind of matter, which kind of leads into the topic a little bit, right? A little bit. It's all this, it's all this new stuff. Oh, hey. There's, I got a do little. Do have it? I, hold on, man. Hold on. Here you go. Did your parents have any children that live? So, yes, sir. I bet they regret that. You're so ugly you could be a modern art masterpiece. Modern art masterpiece. Modern art masterpiece. We've got entirely too many troublemakers here. Too many uh, 40-year-old adolescents, felons, power drinkers, and trustees of modern chemistry. Cool. So we want to talk about modern settings. Modern some, settings. Yeah, some of the challenges and thoughts around it. Um, we talked back on episode 33 about espionage RPGs and how that's one of those modern settings. And Sean and I the other day at lunch, and uh, we were joking about this off air where we need to stop some of our lunch conversations so we don't rehash the same conversation on the podcast because we, we have a tendency to do that. Uh, you got to segregate that. Hey, we already, you know, so we've already discussed this topic. Uh, so now we don't know what to say. Exactly. For an hour at lunch. Yeah, I'm out now. Uh-huh. <laughs> Excuse me. But we got talking again about um, modern games because we were touching on espionage. And I said, you know, one of the cool things I, th- I said I'd kind of like to run at some point is a police procedural without any of the twist. And kind of that the concept of instead of running a modern, like, when we're talking modern, I'm talking right now, um, perhaps a couple decades backwards from here, you know, Cold War, maybe 80s, 90s, maybe even down to the Vietnam era or something. But not basically removing the twist. There's no Cthulhu. There's no um, superheroes. There's no Dresden. There's no fantasy magic. Harry Potter or something going to come out of nowhere on me here. No, you know, just thinking – how fun would it be to play a, you know, a regular police police procedural type game or even a, uh, a military game if you were to, you know, make a bunch of, you know, Delta agents or something to, to pull that off. So, Sean, does that if I were to tell you, hey, I'm going to run a police procedural game, you know, using I'll, I'll pick the gumshoe system because I really like it. I'm going to use gumshoe and we're going to do it. It's not esoteric. It's not. Uh, Knights Black Agents or uh, Trail of Cthulhu or anything. It's going to be modern day. You're going to have to deal with, um, think, uh, Law and Order. You're going to play Law and Order. Would you have any interest in that or that? Or would you be like, dude, no, where's my twist? Uh, I, uh, I don't know. I, it would be, that's a, that is a tough question because I, I don't, we were talking about this before where, you know, maybe, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if it would be fun enough. Okay. 
But you know, so the fun the funky thing to me then is what is it about the spy that makes the spy sexier than the undercover agent um who cracked the you know uh the black market ring or something along those lines? Why is this is it is that basically a spy game then if if we go that route? Or what is it about the uh, espionage world? Is it perhaps that espionage tends to have a fantastic twist, right? With little crazier gadgets, if you will, you know, the James Bondian thing or even the man from uncle. You were saying earlier that you, uh, off air, that maybe you, you, you saw that if I'm right. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a man from uncle. I thought it was good. I liked it. But I don't, I mean, you look at that as a, as a genre slash trope almost, if you will, of a modern setting. It's not really modern because that's not how spies work, at least to my knowledge. Well, now you're, yeah, now you're talking about what's the difference between, so modern is kind of the, I think the time. I think we got to talk about the time. Okay. Right? Modern is not dark ages. And at the same time, modern can be a different genre within the time. So yeah. when you talk about- Gaslight, like Sherlock Holmesian? Yep. Okay. Right. Well, right. And then you get the espionage piece that is, is, well, and you can have espionage that's high action, James Bond, Jason Bourne, or you can have espionage be gritty and none of that. None of the action, none of like very, um, all role play. Nobody carries guns because you get, if you are carrying a gun and you go to a checkpoint during the 60s, uh, they throw you in the gulag. Okay. So I think, and and part of what you're trying to do is define modern too is, you know, we don't want to talk about fantasy. We're not talking about horror. We're not talking about, oh, I don't know, what else is there? Uh, sci-fi. I mean, there's no Magic that. sci-fi, right. There's no crazy high-end tech that somebody has a hold of, no Warehouse 13, nothing like that. Um, right, you're talking about like, hey, let's make some. So let's define that. If you're going to play a role playing game, Brett says, "Hey, I'm going to play a role playing game, and it's going to be modern." What kind of what What are you talking about as far as characters go? So part of it to me, I would look at a game like Night Witches as kind of a uh, not not necessarily fitting our definition of modern, but the way it approaches it, insofar as it says, "Hey, Night Witches is about female Russian pilots during World War II that were on bombing runs." into Nazi Germany. Okay. I've not read the game, so just caveat there. But <clears throat> that's my understanding of what it's all about. So if I were to take that and say, you know what? I'm going to go in and look through my uh, TV shows or some of the current fiction I've read or something along those lines. Um, no X-Files, nothing like that. I'm thinking, like I said, Law & Order is the first one that comes to mind. Or even... Um, Ah, uh, shit. I think Lost is almost too, it's too fantastic. So I don't think Lost would fit. It starts out, it starts out modern and then it gets wacky. Yes. I mean, and you can do that, right? You can start modern then, and I think there's a topic for another day, is the, you start off one thing, it's kind of the bait and switch. I think you almost have to if you're, I don't know, maybe not. Yeah. But I think... Um, the police procedural is the one that strikes me. Now, police procedural or even... Movies like um, shit. There's uh, Black Hawk Down, 
um, real life thing, or when you're talking about having to go investigate something in another country, procedural investigative type of gaming, but in a modern setting where, okay, you happen to be, um, you're this, what do I want to say? You're a cop, you're an Interpol agent, you're a, a European, you know, come from nobility, you've got shit tons of money. And you're helping these people investigate a crime. Someone was murdered at the Louvre and you're there to help sort things out um, because of your expertise in something. And some of that stuff makes for really good thrillers, movie and book wise and and TV series wise. But I don't – when I run a role playing game, I seem to have in in my head, I'm like I have to have a twist. Somewhere in the adventure, I have to turn it from investigating – a murder at a museum into the Da Vinci Code. I have to have some kind of a twist where there's this crazy conspiratorial plot and this quasi-religious thing has to be going on in the background. Um, I have to do something like that and make it even a little bit more fantastic. I can't keep it within the bounds. Maybe that's just a uh, a hang-up on mine, but I think that's something that would be a hell of a challenge for me as a game master, quite frankly, to stick it to just the... Um, I'm st- I keep thinking Law and Order, but you know, if you go any of those police procedural type shows, stick to that, and that's the adventure. Hill Street Blues, man. Hill Street Blues, Cagney and Lacey. Anyway. Yeah, Hill Street Blues. I don't know, Starsky and Hutch. Starsky and Hutch, yeah. Uh, what was the Beretta. other one? Uh, was Beretta? Was sure. Beretta? Yeah, I guess Beretta, or uh, even the uh, NYPD Blue. Yeah, Simon and Simon. Little, little Simon buddy, and little, Simon, holy little, little, shit, little, man! Bu- little buddy, little buddy investigative action, you know. But you're you, talking about a lot of the stuff we're talking about is that you are. You seems like you got to be in law enforcement of some kind, or yeah, and like I say, so I'm I'm talking about this because I don't know, quite frankly, what else to do with it. Law enforcement, or either law enforcement, military, legal system, something along those lines that gives you a need or a reason to be involved, and I think perhaps. Even if you um, if you take a page from Dan Brown's Da Vinci Code type stuff, which I did unfortunately read, God, that was horrible. Um, but if you take a page from it, you could be a professor who's brought in because you're an expert. You can do you can be that um, NPC, if you will, from a CSI episode where you're the person who knows the most about this thing. So therefore, you're the reason they brought you in because you know the most there is about these old books or this museum piece that was stolen. So therefore, you give them the information about the different people across the globe who collect these ancient whatever artifacts, helping the Interpol agents track these people down. So I don't necessarily think you your character needs to be in that environment, but it seems like that's the, to me anyway, the natural thing that comes in and sweeps your character either off their feet or into the action in some way is that you would be in um, hooked into this investigation or something. Do you have a different way to do this from a modern setting without using the uh, it's it's Cthulhu? Uh, oh, it's vampires. Oh, it's actually you know Harry Potter magicians behind the scene. Do you is something else come to your mind? No, it unfortunately no, but it, it would if you pull the bait and switch. <clears throat> Somebody that, out there is screaming at us right now. Go! I'm rolling 15 of these. What's wrong with you too? <laughs> well, and there's probably like a, a couple. I'm, you know, with the plethora of stuff that's out on Drive Through RPG, you know, there's a game out there. Oh, totally. I mean, you grab GURPS and you take any GURPS historical setting, GURPS Vikings. You can play. You can play Vikings, right? You can take GURPS, <clears throat> various different tech levels, and like, look, you've got. 
this level of gun, this level of whatever. I think what turns some people off when they say modern and they don't hear what the twist is, they don't know what it is, they're expecting a twist or a bait and switch of some sort, they're kind of waiting for the hook to be put in front of them so they can latch onto it, is because nobody wants to play project managers and recruiters the role-playing game. What? You know? <laughs> it's just- what? That's the most. Ex- those are two of the most exciting careers out there. I know. I th- Phil Vecchio would back me on this. If you could, right? Project man. If you could at least be the project manager, master behind the scenes, pulling the strings. I think. I think when people saw it, they'd get into it. No, you would be a hero. You're you play heroes in the project management <laughs> area. Yeah. It's like this massive cut over my team did this this weekend. No one gives a shit. <laughs> the two years worth of work it took to get there. All they care is that somebody, yeah, whatever. Anyhow. So one of the games and uh, one of the games I've brought up before, and it's not a game, I should say, one of the genres that I brought up before, actually, one, <laughs> let me back up again. One of the settings I brought up before was for Savage Worlds, and that was for Jason Blair's uh, Streets of Bedlam. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have brought that up. Yeah, and it is, you know, Savage. Now, he looks at it as an inspiration or a derivative that was inspired by the works of, like, Sin City. So there's kind of, like, a comic, gritty, gritty comic book. And then there's, he has, like, a very reputable um, artist that did that game, too. And I'm sorry, the name escapes me and it's not in front of me. And I think he actually may have done comics, but that game is very, um, as a matter of fact, the five story drop, which is a three, as a five store, five, uh, scenarios. And you do, you can play anybody you want out of like the core of that setting, but essentially it is best if you play cops, you play beat cops and you go and investigate a murder and then you unravel kind of what's behind it. So it's very step-by-step. Step. You go and talk to somebody, you un- you unravel some clues, you go and talk to somebody else, and then this happens and that happens. But it's not like where you're going to get into uh, chop sake, I'm going to take yeah. on 10 people, uh, there's no horror involved. You, you know, this this just hit me here. Is it's This is like, drama. we're talking kind of drama system, right? Where oh, yeah, you've sure. got <clears throat> Robin Laws, you can do a serious pitch for Hill Folk, which is... Um, they, well, that's where drama system got started. It's Bronze Age tribes. Uh, people have done drama system for um, people battling for a TV show pilot. Um, it's kind of almost like Fiasco in a way. There's no twist in. Fi- I've not played Fiasco, but I don't know of it as a as a twist type of game. Well, um, well, in Fiasco, uh, Fiasco's got its rules, and then it has play sets. So the, yeah, I guess you you pick a playset without it, right? So the yes, you can get like one I want to run at game hole uh, ad hoc if I have time is you play a rock band. So you're all members of a rock band, and then you know, and in the whole basis of fiasco, if you haven't played it, is take a Cohen's brother movie, any of them, and their relationships and uh, to each character and how kind of shit just between them falls apart. And usually there's one person that's left standing in a positive light and the rest either die or fall victim to something in the negative. But I mean, I, I want to play like, I want to run it. So like everybody's a, a, rock, a member of a rock band. 
You know, another way to go, we were talking about the um, the police end of it, and while you were talking, it hit me too. I mean, not I'm thinking drama system now because that's the example that came to my head. But, I mean, pick a, um, pick a Godfather movie or any of that, that gangster genre, and uh, <clears throat> Scarface, any of those things, where you're really into character development, plots and counterplots and all that stuff. There doesn't have to be a uh, – basically, it's a drama – TV show, movie, whatever it is, it's very entertaining, a lot of fun to watch and perhaps to participate in, but <clears throat> that's the way. So basically, instead of being the cop law enforcement, you flip it and you're the bad guys trying to get away from it or the bad guys caught, you know, or accidentally identified as a bad guy. Any one of those, you know, I was misidentified as, as thus and such and are wrecking my life and I need to, and I need to figure out a way past it. Um, but without the vampires hunting you or whatever the case is. I think there. I think it's. Uh, I think it's viable. I just don't know. Uh, People I know that want to do it are more. They tend to think of it as shorter term games. When I think campaign arcs, I think a game that, or excuse me, a storyline that may last a year in real life potential. Now that's with me playing with my crew once a month for about ten months out of the year. But again, we'll play, you know, anywhere from six to 10 hours at a crack. So even if, even if I were to meet once a month or once a week or every other week, like, like Sean is doing with us, I would expect a decent storyline or a campaign to grow the characters and so on and so forth to last for a number of months. And Fiasco is kind of a one shot sit down. Once you're done, you're done. I've not done or read any drama system stuff. So those of you out there who are drama system fans or who have read it are going to have to correct me. But I don't think that drama system is made for that long haul campaign. And so far as it's not going to be, you're not going to be playing the same character, you know, from level one to level twenty to use D and D parlance. I don't think that's how that's built. Do you agree with me, Sean, or what do you think? Yeah, or, do you know something more? Yeah, you'd have to get a system that really tries to emulate that. And GURPS isn't necessarily. I mean, as far as the some of the bigger um, I would I don't know if bigger is the word, but one of the more mainstream RPGs that have been out there for a, quite a while, GURPS may be able to facilitate that fairly well. Well, basic role playing can too. I mean, it's the well, the guts true. behind Call of Cthulhu. It's it's their generic system, or even even Savage Worlds. You could play a a modern game. It's again, it's a it's a playbook, right? It's a setting book, right? Where you'd be like your friend, Streets of Bedlam. Yeah. Or you could, <clears throat> excuse me, or you could flip it, of course, and, you know, either be the bad guys or you could turn it even different say there's bad guys, there's good guys, and you're the five shopkeepers or the poor people on campus that are stuck in the crossfire of this thing that's happening. How are you going to deal with it? Or you're the co- you're the person working in the ER at the time. So I guess the da-da-da-da-da. I've not done that, really. Anytime I've run a modern setting, I've had a twist. Where the characters start out, I used to do this with Vampire all the time, where, hey, make some humans, I'll turn you into something, I'm going to do something. Like, oh, yeah, cool. And that's what my buddy Lenny does really, really well in his uh, World of Darkness, the uh, new World of Darkness system that he's running us through. We made teenagers, as I talked about a couple episodes ago. And <clears throat> crazy shit is happening to us. You know, we're finding weird supernatural things, people are gaining these wonky powers, we've met lizard men, these weird snake things, all sorts of fucked up shit. But... 
it, we don't know what it is. There's no classification. No one says, oh, that you fought five ogres. You did this thing. That there's the, the mystery is absolutely there. We really don't know if the Lord of Darkness, which is what we've dubbed this guy, is actually a vampire or some weird Slender Man type of creation. We have no idea. But where I'm going is that the twist is there. But did he, did he pitch that? When he, when he told you, like, hey, this is what I want to run, did he pitch you guys the details? Or? So this is, a, this is the second story to um, a multi-story um, setup that he's running. So when first started with the guys, I wasn't able to get involved into it until the very end. But it was pretty much make some normal people. I'm, there'll be stuff. Like, okay, we're going to do the World of Darkness thing. You're going to, at one point, peek behind the curtain and find out that there's something else there. And then once you've done that, you're drawn into this world and you either can't escape or have to embrace it or whatever. So, yeah, it was pitched as such. I used to, and like I said, when I would run uh, my White Wolf games back in the day, I would tell people, hey, yeah, just make a person. I'll turn you into something. And then, ah, you're uh, this type of vampire or you're a werewolf or it's mage or guess what? You're, you're vampire hunters this time. Or whatever, but it was all there's going to be something supernatural that's going to happen to you or something that's not normal. So that that had a supernatural explanation or a high tech explanation. No one ever came in and said, oh, it turns out we're just cops and that's all we're doing. And we're investigating, you know, that that's not what we're talking about. it now it actually sounds more interesting to me than um, than I think it would have a couple years ago. But. Does it There's sound some, does it sound more interesting to you or cuz to me it's kind of like I don't know man I I don't I I might hit the lame button. You think so? Well, I don't know man. I I think I would play it as kind of something I've never played before. But like, what, a, like a one shot I'm going to go to con I want to play this game about two mafia families fighting for supremacy in Chicago. That'd be fun for a a day. Oh, well, I think that would be interesting. But I I think if you say so Ah, yes, I think it would be interesting. I'd be up for that um, because there is a bit of a, I think there's a bit of a fascination with um, the mob and how it's been portrayed in the media and even some of the books you've read uh, in real life about some of the, the folks that have turned on the mob and their lifestyle. I think it can be a little bit uh, embellished or whatever it is, glamorized, I think is the best word. but. I I played, a buddy of mine ran a, he's like, hey, I want to run a GURPS game. Great. And he's like, it's going to take place during the 1930s in Africa, and you're going to be part of the French Foreign Legion. Well, okay. And everybody was on board, and I don't, even, I don't think anybody even questioned it. And, of course, we did, and everything went fine, and then we started running into weird things. But, but that that was never was that like oh there it is it's finally there is it like the unspoken right I know something I know it's coming well uh no <laughs> I don't know it was it was some it was there wasn't a premise that that was going to be happening but it it was incorporated into the game and I think sometimes if you don't have the right group they're going to be like whoa wait a minute man I didn't sign up for this this shit or because like they get into mode. Or or maybe they're waiting for that to happen. Yeah, they're they're waiting for something for this. Yes, I'm investigating right. yet another serial killer murder. If this one doesn't lead to an honest to god Satanism thing, I'm going to be upset. Right. Hey, if Cthulhu or the Deep Ones aren't involved in some way, come on, guy, what are we here for? Yeah, you know? and it's funny that we're even talking about this and how it might 
be awesome or not because many of the shows on on TV nowadays is kind of, I mean, the majority are modern. Not all of them have to be flashy and and over the top, but they're still interesting storylines. Absolutely. It's it's your your drama movie, your drama TV show, or your drama system. In the case of a Robin Laws, it's that. Um, but again, I think it's how wacky are you going to get it, or, yeah. or not? Because even when you say, "Hey, we're going to run a a mafia type of game," does that mean that if I do something that is, um if I overlook something, am I going to have the cops at my door? Am I going to get arrested? Or is it going to be more or less like Hannibal? So if you aren't familiar with Hannibal, it's the Silence of the Lambs um, character, Hannibal Lecter, is got a show on NBC. And it's modern, and one could argue it's kind of serial killer, but he does some crazy, crazy stuff, and you're well, it's like, like, I mean, I've seen Dexter, right? And Dexter is the serial right. killer who kills who kills killers. Yeah, right. It's very modern, and they're trying their best to stick to modern techniques and technology and so on. <clears throat> but there's a certain point when the disbelief the the disbelief hanger for your you know the disbelief hanger is lower than it is for others. The hook that you place your belief on like, I'll just, ah, sure. It's, it's dragons that hooks up pretty high up on the wall. Um, well, the idea is they're trying to keep it so that even, uh, sons of anarchy and, and those there, it's still, it's just, just flat. It's not realistic. Right. But <clears throat> it's not supernatural. There's no crazy twist. It's just people doing bad things and getting away with it for a very long time. Right. And then the bad things escalate crazy and uh then eventually the whole thing turns into the turns into a big Shakespearean type of ending. Right. And I think that could be fun, but I don't know the tolerance for a long-term campaign of that without somebody finally looking me in the eye across the table going, "Dude, where's the where's the conspiracy of, you know, Atlantean mages running the show? Come on, we've had enough stuff. You've dropped enough hints." Even if I didn't mean to, somebody's going to look for hints to see what's out there. I, I think and perhaps it might be because I have done a bait and switch on my, on my players before. They might just expect it out of me, which might be half the challenge not to do it. But I, I'm wondering if it's an unspoken thing when it's not a con game or a short-term storyline that we're expecting something to flip it. Like, oh, it's actually goblins. Oh, there we go. There we go. It's freaking aliens. There we are. There's the thing. No, I think you're I think you're onto something when you gotta limit it to I don't I I would see it maybe being a three parter of like a a four three four hour sessions or three eight hour sessions and then I, I don't know how much you would want to fit in. So what is the arc, right? Kind of like um yeah. right. So it's like kind of beginning to end. So you play a mobster, you know, you play mobsters and here's the houses or the the bot the crime families and you're a, you know, maybe you're a captain um or maybe you're a street thug and you're trying to move up and then you get promoted and then you got to take out some people and then you take over and everything you could use bla- you could use blades in the dark for that you know whatever it is and then Sorry. you get to the to get to that point but i mean how long lasting campaign do you want to go with the mobster thing you can always be the climb to the head of the mob the the 
the boss of the family and great. Then the politi- then it's a politics game, right? right. It's kind of like playing – it's almost like playing Amber Sands, the uh, world-hopping, world-building craziness of power that goes with it. The politics level up as you level up through the political echelon. You know, as, as you step your way up to be principal or king of this particular thing, then the politics get higher or heavier or thicker, however you want to describe it. Yeah. I can see that happening, but with, you know, and maybe a, a, a cop show, cop based police drama game. Maybe, maybe you're just trying to do good and you're unraveling things and you're in the dirt. So I think there's, it's got some potential. I don't know. I don't know if our listeners, if you, if that's something that, Hey, I always want to explore that a little bit, let us know. Or if it's kind of like, it, no, it's not. Cause I think the, the problem with this is that there are going to be people that are like, I don't, I want something more grandiose, more fantastical, something wackier. Then, yeah, that, that's like I said. It's know, that preconceived notion that, well, we are playing a role-playing game, and I'm expecting a dragon to pop out somewhere, whatever the dragon happens to be. I'm expecting some sort of a change. <clears throat> and if it stays there, then, okay, I could play Clue <laughs> or, you know, something, you know, I don't want to say it. I, I guess, is that is that really enough fun for a long time? I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. I, I've never done it. I've always started kind of a bait and switch type of thing. Well, hey, here's how it is. You know, one session of people, they sound like, then the clue drops, the weird thing happens. Even if you read like Esoteris or excuse me, Fear Itself, Fear Itself by Robin Laws, which is another gumshoe game. It's basically normal people dealing with horror. You know, you're, you're doing your job as a short order cook. You're all short order cooks at this crappy little restaurant and you encounter this thing. And then you as normal people have to deal with it. It's kind of like, you know, you go with all your buddies to this lake and there's some nasty, you know, hockey mask machete wheeling creature comes out of the lake. You have to deal with it. You're not there for that. That's not what you were sold as, you know, the players, but it happens. <clears throat> Excuse me, or least, I should say as the characters, but as the players, oftentimes we're at least my experience. That's what we're waiting for. I'm curious to see if other people have that. If we're totally way off on this or if it makes sense or not. Huh? Interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it's we talk about it like right now. I'm like, man, this could be pretty fucking cool. I could run like a mob boss thing and so on. And then my question goes, who would – can I do this for a year? Because I want to run it for a while. <clears throat> I don't want to just switch games every every two months or every three sessions or four sessions. I don't like doing that. I like to keep them going for, for a while with my group. And I'm like, I don't know how long that would last before people are like, okay, let's, you know – Let's wrap this up. Let's keep moving. So I think the mobster boss uh, or the mobster game, and I'm sure somebody's going to write in and go, dude, you guys got to play this. This is the game. It does everything that you're talking about for a mobster type of role-playing game setting. Having said that, I think that characters have to have some type of goal um, within the game. And with the mobsters, it could be you have to take over you know, neighborhoods. You have to gain customers and, you know, whether it's drug running, uh, running the numbers, um, extortion, all kinds of stuff. And then what happens is you may incorporate some cool NPCs that you run into like, oh, it's the, it's the old, it's the kid that I grew up with and now he's a cop and he wants to bring me down 
but we have a, like a personal long time relationship and our family goes back a long ways. And then you run into moral quandaries if you get a priest involved. And and then you start getting into these, um, you know, maybe the FBI even captures you. Are you going to turn? So then it's kind of like, how do you incorporate that into a setting system kind of ambiance? So I think I mentioned drama system a couple of times. I'm pretty sure there are more indie games out there that do this. In some way, Night Witches, I keep thinking, I, I haven't read it, I haven't been able to pick it up yet, but I think that type of thing where it's genre specific, um, it doesn't have, at least to my understanding, Night Witches isn't billed as, hey, um, Russian biplane, Russian female pilots with biplanes dropping bombs on Cthulhu in in uh, Nazi Germany. That's not how it's billed. You could do that. You could do anything you want, of course, but... Um, there's got to be something else out there that does it. it. It, like I said, it sounds really cool to me. I'm like, wow, this could be fun. This could be a really good time. And I think, shit, I think I could only run this at like a con or three sessions and I'd be done. Yeah. And I don't, for me, I need to keep, and this maybe harkens back to our campaign um, episode a few back. And if you don't remember which one it is, like I don't start at one, work your way forward. Um, I need a campaign or I need a story arc to last longer than three or four sessions. I want to, because my players and I are just getting into it by like session two, by session three, we're like eating it. We're like, man, this is great. This is really good. We're character development. This is great. Cool plot stuff. Cool. This session four, it's over. Really? That's, that's it. And I feel like this one would, would wrap up too quickly. And maybe it's the, and maybe it's because I'm thinking of the movies where it's only an hour and a half to two and a half hours max. And it's either wrapped up or you wait for the sequel to come out. And it's only a trilogy or it's only a duology of, of films or books that go into it. So interesting. If nothing else, it'd be a hell of a challenge to see if I could do something like that. I don't know if it'd be worth it, <laughs> but it would be a heck of a challenge to see if I could pull it off. Yeah. So if you are, if you have done this type of game, write in and let us know about some of the things that you had to consider and how you pitched it to your group to kind and how of, you, yeah. And how did you pick this? How did you pick the setting, the system? What made sense? Cause I think there's some cool stuff and this might, I'm sure like, like we said, there's somebody out there with a group of people going, fuck, we, we mind, we mind that the gold out of that mine years ago. Hell, hell that's been, that's been cool and done and whatever, but it's not something either Sean and I have, have done extensively. It'd be kind of cool to hear what you guys are doing. Yeah. So let's get into die roll. So die roll is where we, Brett and I, come up with two to five miscellaneous points of gaming or geekery we want to share with you and bring to your attention. Brett has three this week. I have four. Not bad. Yeah. So I want to shout out to our misdirected Mark brothers over in Buffalo, Mr. Chris and Phil, on episode 168, Latency. They talked about latency uh, from a system perspective. And basically latency, and if I miss... So I'll tell you what, go listen to it, right? What I'm really looking forward to is the next episode where they talk about how to GM pass through around latency. You know, I think my comment to them on their on their uh, Google Plus community was, I believe after I hear that discussion, I love the latency term, I think after I hear that discussion about how to GM passed it, my stance of fuck the rules will be changed with, I don't ignore the rules. This is how 
IGM around the latency of this particular system will probably be a better statement. Longer, but a better statement. Basically, latency, my short uh, interpretation of what they said, is the, um, the, the time that it takes to go from the game, the story, the action, to referencing something in the rule system, and then back. It's that thing that slows down play. That's my definition. And when I, when I hear that, I'm like, okay, cool. That's why I say I ignore the rules, I change stuff, I, I flip things around because I've been fighting latency. So I'm interested to see what they have to say about that when it comes to it. So 169, the next episode, I'm hoping we'll have some cool stuff. Number two, uh, Drive Through RPG had their data breach. I think I may have mentioned this before, but I thought I might uh, throw this out there one one more time. I went through, checked out my, um, <laughs> lucky for me, the credit card that I had in their system had already been compromised and I'd canceled. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's a boo or an applause. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what to do on that either. But anyway, if you're not aware of it, check it out. If you've uh, got credit cards on their site or whatever, um, dig into it and make sure you're being safe. The other uh, last one I had is on the last couple episodes when we talked about money and realism. I had recalled a, uh, a post a while back about 13 different kits from soldiers of different eras. Everything from kind of the... Uh, uh, what do I Falkland Islands back in time through Battle of Agincourt type of stuff. They go through, they've got these 13 different soldier kits, mess kits, weapons, armor, just equipment, stuff that, that the men uh, carried with them in the battle. And I put it on our Google Plus page just as kind of a reference point because I often think, you know, how much stuff could you really carry with you? And without having Sean next to me, because Sean, ex-army guy, could tell me exactly what he had to have in his pack. I thought, well, fuck, I remember this. I remember this link. So I threw it out there for folks. Go take a look at it. It's pretty cool. Dude, Sean, I, had a, I, had a, I had a vehicle, man. I just throw my shit on the track. <laughs> That's right. I have to carry our crap. <laughs> nice. Uh, 577 for the win, baby. There you go. All right. So uh, number one, View Scream, second edition Kickstarter. Now, Brett and I have talked about Kickstarters, and some have been very good, and some have been very bad. Um, Raphael Chandler is running this one. It's low bar. Um, and I'm backing it and I'm going to tell you why I'm backing it because I think it's unique. Um, it's borderline LARP. Um, and I'm not a LARPer, but I think it is interesting. Uh, the way he, and I haven't looked at the rules. Uh, it's a second edition, so I, I don't know what the first edition looked like, but it's, you, you use video chat to play. So this the, is sexy enough. It's a LARP that you're going to get into it and you don't even LARP and you haven't read the rules. This, right. This could be cool. All yeah, right. Yeah. This has grabbed you. All right. Cause it uses it's first of all, it's, it's kind of a sci-fi horror. Okay. So that's the kind of the high tech horror is what he touts it as. Um, and you use video chat to play the game as a player character. So when you're like, so everybody gets on Google Hangouts or Skype it's as if you're on, you're talking to your monitor on a spaceship. So okay. it's three to five players assume the roles of desperate people trapped in a world of high-tech horror. Crew members going insane aboard a damaged starship. Scientists and research labs hunted by their own creations. Or futuristic data thieves on the run from soulless security drones. Check it out, man. The video on there is pretty cool, and it's got some guys that I, uh, guys and gals that I've seen from Google Plus, 
Um, Reminds me a lot of the third installment of John Wick's uh, Yellow King series. That one oh. takes place on a on a starship. This cool one, though. Ten, All right, I'm gonna have to check it out. Ten bucks gets you. That's it. Ten bucks. Like he doesn't have. He doesn't have all these damn, you oh my know, God, reward he only levels. Wants five grand for it. Yeah, and it's a low bar. So he, Raphael, yeah. Raphael's probably got this all nipped and stuff. He just has to put it out. So I, I don't have any. I would yeah, check it out. Yeah, only ten dollar intro. Wow, yeah. hell. Uh, number two, do you have an idea for a torchbearer adventure? Want us to publish it? I have a link in the show notes. You go there and uh, Thor Oswald. And by us publishing, that's not not us. Game, that's not gaming and BS. That's people who actually know what they're doing. That's the Torchbearer <laughs> guys. So yeah. Luke Crane and Thor um, are—they're looking. Hey, you want to do? If you got something and you want them to publish it, man, it may be an opportunity to get into to getting some renown in the RPG industry. Number three, the rise of live action role playing makes the front of BBC News Magazine page of the their website. Well, it's a little publicity there. I think it's one of those. Uh, I don't. I don't want to say it's a puff piece, but it is. It goes into like LARPing and how big it's become, and it, mostly fantasy like boffer LARPs and stuff like that. But again, not a big LARPer, but I think any good exposure that isn't. Uh, portraying us in a in a bad light is always good stuff. Cool. Yeah. Number four. Twenty one amazing forgotten curse words we need to bring back. Matt Jackson from Google Plus posted this. Go there, check it out. I think it's awesome because I think it's words that you can corp- incorporate into your role playing game. And uh, they're all kinds of... Oh, yeah, I saw these. These are good. They're goofy words, um, you know, ones that you would never think of, but they would be really cool to use, like beard beard splitter, which is... Rantalian. Yeah. Uh, what is that? Yeah, Rantalian. Zooter. A weirdly specific Victorian word meaning one whose scrotum is longer than his penis. That's, yeah. that's what that word means. That's... It's, oh, wow. Yeah, these are interesting. Okay. Yeah. So it would be good to kind of spice up your RPG by using some of these in it. <laughs> Fun. Yeah. So there you go. That's Those are my um, my die rolls for the week. Now let's see if I can I can hit this outro without fading bread off. Let's see. Give can, it a shot. Yeah, see what you can see. do. Can you, can you hear it, man? I can totally hear it. And uh, am I faded? Uh, no. Same loud. Can you hear me now? Barely. I don't know. I got to check into something. Um, so if you uh, have comments about this show, um, you can write into gamingnbs at gmail.com. Find us on Twitter, Google Plus, or Facebook. Uh, yeah, let us know. And if you like the show, tell somebody or write a review on iTunes. It gets us added exposure. Otherwise, I am one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night, good game, and all.